Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. I'm Sean Flanagan. And we are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast covering the Ninja Turtle comic book series, one free-falling issue at a time. How you doing, Sean? I'm so souped. We're in volume three. I've waited so long. Great stories in volume three. It's like, it's it's so much of a different energy, different ready to go. <laughs> And here today to help us with that energy, we have Spencer here from the Ninja Turtle Power Hour joining us once again. Hi, Spence. Hey, I'm back. Here to talk about, like, you know, one of the greatest starts to a volume we could have asked for. It's 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 definitely a thrill ride. You know, it's it just is nonstop <laughs> action. Super fun. Let's get into the issue. Again, the issue is untitled, as is all of Volume 3's original run. Cover artist Eric Larson... Uh, Ruben Rude and IHOC, story by Gary Carlson, pencils by Frank Fosco, inks by Andrew Pepoy and Chance Wolf, letterings by Chris Elopoulos, and on the IDW side, it was colored by Ruben Rude. Again, the originals were black and white, throwback to the original comics. Came out in July of 1996. So let's go take a look back at July of 96 and figure out what world this issue was released in. This month in entertainment. Movies of July 96. We've got Kingpin. Yeah! Everyone loves Kingpin. That's not Is that true. Wilson Fisk Kingpin? <laughs> You've never seen Kingpin? No. Oh, you gotta go oh, you gotta watch Kingpin Bill this Murray weekend. Bowling movie. Woody really Harrelson, oh, all right. the Fairley Brothers, second Fairly movie. Fairley Brothers, yeah. I, I, I kept wanting to say the other brothers, and now all I can think is Fairley. It, it lost me. Co I almost said Coen Brothers. It's a Fairley Brothers movie. Yeah, it would have been an interesting Coen Brothers movie. It's like the forgotten good Fairley Brothers movie, because everybody focused on Dumb and Dumber and something about Mary at the time, and this was like awkwardly... I think it was released in the middle, right? Yeah, it or was, was it in the after middle. Something? And it was one of the only movies they didn't write, but it, it's hands down one of the best 90s comedies ever. <laughs> Take a really, look at yeah. it. Yeah, I know. I always find Bill Murray movies funny, so. He's great in it. He's great. Also out that month, Jonathan Taylor Thomas's Pinocchio. How many Pinocchio I, movies do we need? <laughs> apparently a million, and I don't 40. remember him having one. Is this like the live action one? Like, was there any other yep. live action ones? It is the live action one, and it's one that I always confuse. I always think Robin Williams was Geppetto, but he's not. And I don't know where my brain gets that idea. <laughs> but yeah, Jonathan Taylor Thomas plays the voice of Pinocchio, and then when he's a real boy at the end, he he's there for like two seconds. Yeah, I think I just remember being like kind of emotionally scarred as a kid, just terrified seeing Pinocchio turn into like the donkey thing and the whole donkey thing was kind of scary for me. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's it's pretty horrific even now. I hear the like most of these Disney cartoons, I hear the actual original story is way more messed oh, yeah. up too. Like it's something I I want to read someday. The the original Pinocchio is insanely dark. I'll get an audiobook. Get yeah, get somebody who reads it ominously. Also from that month, Multiplicity came out in July of 96. Ooh, forgotten movie. Harold Ramis comedy. You know what? Do Kingpin and Multiplicity is a double feature. 
Kazam came out that month. It's the movie where Shaq plays a genie that everyone confuses uh, Sinbad for. <laughs> I feel like it would have been a better um, movie Harriet, with Sinbad. Harriet the Spy came out this month as well. I remember the Harriet the Spy release. I didn't... I still haven't seen it. It'd be weird if I watch Harriet the Spy now. But I didn't, <laughs> I didn't watch it then. But what I remember about it is Nickelodeon promoting the heck out of it because it was the first Nickelodeon... Live action movie, I think. Yeah. But the other big deal was they were premiering the first look at Hey Arnold played before the movie, and it was like the first Hey Arnold cartoon, the one where the the kid wants to fight him at the end of the school day. And I remember that was like that was in all of the promotion for Harriet the Spy was first look at Hey Arnold. I saw Harriet the Spy at the drive-in. What was she doing there? Um, Theodore Rex is the last movie I have here. Whoopi Goldberg and a T-Rex. What more do you need? Yeah, I know the box art for that. I've never seen the movie. I never have either, but I'm pretty sure How Did This Get Made covered it. So if you want some good coverage of Theodore Rex, go look that up. Music from July of 96. July 6th, the number one song was The Crossroads by Bone Thugs and Harmony. July 13th and July 20th, it was California Love by Tupac and Dr. Dre. Sounds like a romantic song, California. (laughs) (laughs) And then July 27th, You're Making Me High, Tony Braxton was the number one song. So those were the Billboard number ones when this issue came out. Video games, the Nintendo Power cover. Of course, they're still talking up their Nintendo 64. The cover is a mashup of all the Nintendo mascots. We got Mario, Bowser, Kirby, Diddy Kong. And it says, Power Previews, E3, Nintendo 64, Pilot Wing 64, and more. And I love, there's a part on the cover where in the corner it says, Enter to win N64. Not win a Nintendo 64. <laughs> Enter to win N64. Like, you get the whole concept of Nintendo 64 in totality if you win this con- contest. That's why they sue everyone now. TV events... July 22nd, The Daily Show premieres with Craig Kilborn. He lasted like two months. Right? Like, he wasn't on long. He only did it for like two years maybe, but he he was... Two two years? I thought it was like two months. (laughs) No, he did it for a little while. And then, fortunately, they found Jon Stewart. Because Craig Kilborn is a drip. So he's really just not entertaining to watch. <laughs> Those early Jon Stewart years are like some of the best television pre 9-11. And for some reason, that's the cutoff for me. But like, because after that, it gets like super political, you know, and like, I'm not saying I disagree with their politics or anything, but they they had less stories like, uh, you remember cat dancing yep. was one you and I would always talk about. Like, yep. they would just find the most ridiculous people. And then after 9-11, it was just all like making fun of the president and stuff like that. And I was like, I miss the weird people. July 19th, Tales from the Crypt ends after seven seasons and 93 episodes. And July 14th, Muppets Tonight ends after two seasons and 22 episodes. Yeah, I liked Muppets Tonight. It's what? got that weird anecdote about the bomb uh, episode. Yeah. Happening to coincide with the week of the Oklahoma City bombing. Why is that not streaming on anything? Did you know, 
maybe because of that episode. I don't know. <laughs> there was like, for those of you who don't know, Muppets Tonight, it was obviously a Muppet show. And it was kind of trying to be like a revival of the Muppet show. And I remember there was this thing where they they had to pull an episode because the week of the Oklahoma City bombing, the plot of their episode was that somebody was calling a bomb threat into the show. <laughs> yeah. <It's laughs> Which like, is weird for a children's show in the first place. Nah, I mean, if you watch the old Muppet show, they... they... Did some risky stuff, so it's pretty on par. What was the host's name? Oh, I don't know. They made a new Muppet for the host. I don't remember his name. He hasn't been doing anything. But he was an original creation for that show. And that's all the entertainment news I have. So let's get on into this issue. Sean, tell the listeners where they can find this comic book. You can find this on Comixology and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Urban Legends Volume 1. Or, if you're really diligent, you can find it in a bin at a comic shop in the original black and white. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) These things are so hard to find. So on to the cover. Sean, what were your thoughts? Well, I mean, if you've listened to the show or you've known me forever, I love horror, so I'm all about this cover. (laughs) Like, it's just awesome. I'm having trouble getting my cover notes up. Hold on. Why don't you describe it? (laughs) Give me a second. So it's Raph wearing Casey's mask... Leo and Donnie, and they're charging out of a mausoleum in a cemetery. I don't know. I just, I like everything about it. Yeah. And they got that cool, like, mist at the bottom that you want in your cemetery scene. The vines are growing all over the place. Good cover. I mean, there's, it's, there's not a lot to say about it. It's much no. better than, than the cover I have. I got the I got the B cover for this one, for this issue, uh, which is the original cover. The turtles are, like, on the ground, and they're surrounded by Pimico and her ninja babes. That's the lady ninja we saw earlier. And she has a whole troop of, of ninja babes, as we'll see. That's what they call them, our babes, ninja babes. And, uh, yeah, you know, you, you get a, a butt shot there. You know, with, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a cover. <laughs> I think that's why. I think the butt shot might be why it's not reprinted in the, the collection. Is it not in there? No. <laughs> it's, no, it's not. The original cover's not in here at all. Well, it's also funny because her butt is pretty covered up by, like, Turtles Urban Legends. Like, they, they cover it up a lot with the words. So maybe that's where they started having a problem with it. They were like, all right, let's cover this up for the... We're doing all the original covers for these reprints, but we're going to cover this here, and then when it gets to the collected, we're not even going to put it in there. So diving on into the pages, Donatello and the cyborg are continuing to plummet towards Earth. They do this really cool thing with the city at the top of the page. Yeah. So it's kind of like in Spider-Verse when Miles is like rising uh, to the the ground. I, I really like it. It's a really cool first page. Yeah, the, the, definitely this run does a great job of like hitting you immediately when you open the book so you want to keep going yeah well it's even it's even got that like intro dialogue where donatello kind of like introduces himself and what's going on which once again is something that you see in the cartoon i grew up with that 2003 series a lot where they kind of have like a like almost like a preview before the credits and one of the turtles or another character kind of gives you some intro to get you interested and then then the theme song starts the show kicks in it's it's like a tradition. It's a very Ninja Turtles thing that they've been doing, like even since the first issue, where it opened with the Leonardo internal dialogue of like, "My name's Leonardo, and me and my brothers are backed into a corner or whatever." It yeah, is. right now my brothers and I. Yep. 
after they start falling towards the earth, we cut to in upstate New York, uh, Pimico and her her henchbots. Uh, they return to Dragon Lord's Japanese dojo. And Pimico has this moment I, I kind of wanted to make a note of where one of the henchmen calls her Lady Pimico. And she responds with, I'm not a lady. I'm a warrior. I'm a ninja. And that just stood out to me. Like, I don't think that's a title that ninjas have ever shied away from. I mean, like, we've we've got, like, Lady Deathstrike yeah. at Marvel. There's, like, Lady Blackhawk. Uh, just, I don't know. I just thought it was, like, a noble thing, noble way to address somebody. I'm sure it's there's been... Weird. I'm not a lady. I'm a, I'm a warrior. There's had to have been Lady Karai at some point. So... Yeah. So anyway, uh, Pimico and a big robot man, they carry Splinter to a prison cell. And there's a, a pretty good gag here that I liked where she talks about how the prison cell is probably more sanitary than the sewer they took him from in the first place, yeah. which is a rare instance of them referencing how filthy sewers are. You don't get that a lot in Turtle comics. Especially with how many times they've been knee deep in sewer water. In the- yeah. Or just under it. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully there's so we, a shower in the sewer there somewhere. You know, with clean water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Donatello will get that working for them. So we see that there's some kind of shark monster in the cell next door uh, having a very bloody meal. So that's how you know it's Image Comics because there's blood everywhere. There's blood on the first page. And after an argument where the cyborg tells Pimico he's tired of taking orders from her, uh, she stabs him. And leaves him with the creature saying, basically, you know, there's meat in there somewhere. Uh, if you can find it, it's yours <laughs> inside the cyborg. Which I wonder if this shark mutant is, like, inspired by Armagon or if they just wanted to make a mutant shark because, you know, sharks with human arms and legs are just fun. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's, it's like, it's very, like, a 50-50 odds there because sharks are fun to make mutants. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've got, like, King Shark that everyone loves. You've got, you know, this guy, Armagon. I don't know. It's Mako in IDW, right? Oh, he's a Mako in this, too. Okay. Yeah, he's Mako in this. I do like that moment of Pimico just being like, you know what? Screw this. And she just stabs him and walks away. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Leo, Raph, and Michelangelo are searching for Donatello and Splinter. They start heading out of the sewer. And they, def- they decide to find a new base outside the sewers in case their their new enemies return, possibly even with reinforcements. And they climb out of the sewer grate that happens to be inside an abandoned mausoleum. I mean, it, it seems like they knew where they were going. It wasn't like a coincidence, but they begin to set up base. And I thought it was kind of strange that a sewer grate would lead to this mausoleum <laughs> in the first place. No, that makes sense. You usually only see those in the streets. Yeah, but depending how old that section of New York is, it kind of works. And I also noticed they don't mention how they know about this place. Like, they, just from how they're acting, you kind of figure, like, they knew that this was going to be, like, their backup lair or something. I get the feeling they've scouted it before. Well, but we don't get much. I mean, at this point... It would make sense for them to have had other options that they knew about. But it would be nice if they put it in the book, like, of why they knew about this place or even just confirm that it was something 
that they knew uh, that they knew about beforehand. Because you could totally read this and interpret it that they just popped out of the sewer, found this thing, and were like, "Hey, how about here?" Which I know isn't the case, but you could read it that way. Yeah, I do really like it as a new lair, though. I think it's probably yeah. among the cooler Ninja Turtle lairs we've had. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of in in IDW when they get the church. Yeah, it's similar to that. And I, I want more scenes of turtles fighting with like stained glass windows behind them, you know, because I feel like we yeah. got like a little bit of that in one issue. But if Daredevil can do it all the time, the turtles can too. Yeah, they they should do it too. You know, it's that parody stuff. You get a great moment with uh, Mikey and Raph here too, where Raph pops out and scares Mikey, and Mikey goes, "Oh my oh, god!" Yeah. And Raph goes, "It's me. You bandaged me." he like smashes because he pops out of one of those drawers you know that you can pull people out of like in a morgue and so like michelangelo slams it shut and smashes donna well raphael in between the in between the drawer essentially in the the wall so it's really i don't know just funny as well because he's just barely got his face like fried off and now he's gotten smashed in a (laughs) in a drawer kids so leo tells michelangelo to research the dragon lord on the net the what that's how cool people say the internet and he tells raf to use his contacts inside the foot clan to get more info on pimico which is another new piece of information because we never established before that Raphael has like connections and friends yeah he's got foot buddies and not something i i knew before this issue might be in one of those shorts. So then we get the panels where, where Leonardo gives Raphael one of Casey's old masks. Still haven't seen Casey yet in this volume, but his mask makes an appearance here to help protect his injured face. And it just makes me wonder where Casey is when I see it. But how do you guys feel about the Casey mask? Rap? I like it. I think it's a cool it's obviously look. another way of image comics being like, this is how our turtles are different. We got Casey mask here. We got robot guy over here. We got... So yeah, what? Yeah, I, I don't even know if it's so much to be like, this is why our turtles are different. I think they're trying to continue the continuity, but I think they're also trying to solve the problem of how do you tell these turtles apart? Yeah, especially since they're doing them in black and white again. That's a good point. <laughs> and so I think they kind of did some of this disfigurement and stuff so you could see the turtle and immediately know, like, okay, this is this one. You know, because Leo's got his swords poking up, and so usually if you're seeing his head, you'll see his swords... Uh-huh. You, know, you now know that Michelangelo is the one that doesn't have swords popping up behind his head, you know? That makes sense. It's actually funny. That's something I, I wrote for the first issue, and I forgot to bring it up. But, yeah, I definitely think that's something they're trying to do. I, I definitely could see that, because as cool as the half-face thing is with Raph, having to draw that or draw a hockey mask, you probably want to draw a hockey mask. <laughs> yeah, well, and the Casey Jones hockey mask is just cool. Right. Like, it just oh, is. Yeah. So I'm all for more people wearing it. And then before the, well, more on the Casey Jones hockey mask thing. It's funny. I remember back in like 2005, 2006, wanting to put a Casey Jones like costume together and you couldn't find that mask anywhere. Nowadays, thanks to, you know, nerd culture developing, you can find Casey Jones replica masks all over the internet. So I really like that. I still haven't put my costume together, but (laughs) I like that. It's cool. Yeah, I put one together and I tried to make the mask myself at first with like 
cardboard and just burnt the crap out of my fingers with hot glue. <laughs> and so then I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm just yep. buying it off the internet. I'm spending the money. I'm forking out the dough. So before the scene ends, we see the boys are being watched by a ninja named Angel. So they had this new lair for all of like 30 seconds before the secret was out. <laughs> and um, anyway, a- Angel, she reports the new info to her boss, which is uh, Pimico, that head ninja lady. We go back to Pimico's story, and I guess they're still at the Dragon Lord's dojo, even though this looks like a high-tech laboratory. I think it's supposed to be the same building. Yeah. It doesn't look a lot like a dojo in this room, but, you know, they got multiple rooms. Dragon Lord's there. We see that his other name is Warlord Komodo. So Lord Komodo, he's overseeing an experiment on a man uh, who is having his DNA tested. And they mention that he's... Not the hybrid they're looking for, but he is a mutant. And his name is the Weasel. And basically, he's a parody of Wolverine. Oh, he's very different. He's got four claws instead of three. Yeah, I was going to say, he's one of those parodies where it just is the thing it parodies. Like, it's this is just Wolverine with an extra claw. He, he, like, he's it's drawn right down to when the claws come out, it says snicked. Like, they, they got that detail too yeah the claws the only difference he's just as hairy as he usually is just as muscly just as naked angry <laughs> I, i've seen a lot of ads for like you know for x-men where they kind of like knock on the ninja turtles as like you know where they say things like oh mutants but like real mutants like not of the ninja turtle variety or whatever like they I, i've seen like ads that people have posted like that where x-men's kind of knocking on turtles and so sometimes i think this is kind of one of those knockbacks yeah. uh mm, yeah that existed with those, that comic book competition culture between like Marvel and DC and probably image now too. But unlike Wolverine, this guy's head gets chopped off real easy. So he tries to attack them and is, is dispensed of quick. It's a really great moment. And then we go to, it's a great moment because whenever I get tired of, you know, hearing about Wolverine or people begging that Hugh Jackman play that character forever, and just look at this panel and see him get decapitated and feel a little better and move on with my day. So. so back at the mausoleum, Leonardo's meditating, trying to reach Master Splinter using the astral plane. But Mike and Raf end up kind of breaking his concentration by pranking him. Not cool, guys. Not cool. He's trying to get this done, okay? This is the one thing you guys got to do. And then Leo yells at, uh, yells at them to leave him alone, and he tries to get his head in the right space, and he ends up making it back to the astral plane, and he's contacted by Donatello's astral form. And then Donatello takes Leo to his body, uh, which is lying paralyzed. It's very brutal, uh, very you know hard-to-read pages here where he's paralyzed with his, his shell. He's landed from that fall we saw at the beginning. Yeah, I, I really like when... I mean, so, like, you've seen kind of, like, Splinter be able to do mystical stuff in Mirage a little bit, but I really like this astral plane stuff, that, especially when, like, Leo starts getting into it, and that kind of becomes, like, Leo's pathway a little bit, is when he starts being able to interact with the the astral plane. You see that in the IDW series mm-hmm. as well. And so it's a just, it's a really cool concept that kind of adds, like, another layer to Ninja Turtles that's really fun. And then Michelangelo finds info on the internet about property that was bought by Komodo Incorporated. 
and he and Raph uh, approach Leo to give him the news. But the issue ends on Raph and Mike, Mikey uh, being attacked by Pimico and her Konoichi as Leonardo meditates, unaware of the immediate danger. And that's our cliffhanger, the end for this issue. So the... Ko- or to be continued, I should say. Konoichi or Ninja Babes, however you want to put it, their outfits are at least more subtle compared to Pimico. So I give them a little credit for that. And I did like the moment where, while researching on the net, Mikey found dirty pictures. It's almost more of a, they're 18 now, they're an image. Like I was saying, it's those horny turtles that are here throughout this run, for whatever reason. Just all those jokes are it, in there. It really... <laughs> Which is funny, because in 1996, uh, you know, images were loading like one line at a time. Yeah. I don't know if you all remember that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he, it's, you, you couldn't just stumble on something back then. You had to wait for a picture to load. Yeah, de- definitely reading this volume... The, the Michael Bay, Mikey, I think, took a little inspiration from this version. Yeah. <laughs> and that is basically the issue. So uh, let's let's go into our ratings. I, I'll say I, again, gave a four out of five. It, it, you know, it's not, it takes a lot to get to that five. We're not quite there. But I definitely like everything I've seen so far for these first two issues. It's It's better than I expected it to be from what the reputation I went with a 3.8. I'm liking it, but it hasn't quite gripped me all the way yet. And I know as it goes, it gets more intriguing for me. But it's got a lot of fun moments. I like the little Logan jab and Pimico, you know, gutting the cyborg for the shark. So I I like that stuff. Mm -hmm. And like Spencer was saying, I love that they're going to start leaning into the astral plane stuff and keep running with it. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I think I'd go ahead and give it a four myself. Like I, I as as the story goes on, you know, and uh, you get you end up seeing more with uh, Pimico that I actually kind of. Well, I think if they were to reintroduce her, they should probably give her a good costume redesign. Yeah, Pimico as a concept is actually a pretty cool, good character that I would like to see come back one day in another version somewhere. Like I, I think it's a fun, good comic to read. Yeah, I'll say if anyone's had any hesitations based on what they heard of, you know, or just based on not liking Image Comics in general, um, I I would say give it a try. It's it's some some really good turtle stuff in here, and the stuff with Donatello it's about to get really brutal in the next few issues. It, uh, you, you really start feeling for him. Yeah, and I I like that you know Warlord Komodo's an interesting villain already because he's got like the. Baxter Stockman experiments, but kind of the shredder layer and stuff. They do a great job of taking this on their own journey without knocking on anything that came before it in Turtles. And they very easily could have. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing, though, is like this is supposed to be a continuation from Volume 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was written to be that, and then was later. Yeah, this is where the the road the 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 road splits. So volume two either leads to this or it leads to volume four, depending on which direction you want to go. And so I really, I just always like it when turtles. Like I love the shredder and I love the concept of the character, but it is something that's kind of like overdone yeah. at this point, especially like in the cartoons and movies. It seems like we kill the shredder and then we reboot it, and then we yep. get rid of the shredder and then we reboot it. And so I really love especially the comics, because it moves past Shredder. Yeah, and and Splinter being kidnapped may be 
you know, a cliched thing to do. I mean, especially in the video games, uh, <laughs> it's at the arcade game, he gets kidnapped and stuff, but, uh, but it, it's also like giving him something to do right now. He, he did nothing in all of volume two. Say he was in the first issue get, and that was it. He's someone who can, you know, handle his own escape. And it's, it's just, it's giving him something to do now that his storyline with Oroku Saki is over and he doesn't have to, you know, we, we've said on our podcast before, after that, after Shredder's done, they kind of don't really have anything to do with Splinter. And now, you know, we got some stuff for him to do. Yeah, that, that's the one thing I will say about this run is it does feel like in volume two, they were kind of aging up the turtles, having them like create their own pathway and getting out and, and becoming their own people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this series kind of regresses that back and away from that, and makes them kind of all live together again. And yeah, and then Volume Four ages them up again. <laughs> they 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 just go back forth, back forth. This volume does. I do think a... Volume Four, if I remember correctly, actually ages them beyond teenage. Yeah, I think so. Th- this volume does a very good job of giving all five of them their own arc. Mirage struggled with sometimes. Leo and Raph would get arcs, and then occasionally Donnie or Mikey would get something. And like we said, one well, you know, if Splinter was, and set, I'm not trying to knock them no, with no, this, no, no. but when you can't hit deadlines, and they had they had their reasons for why they couldn't hit deadlines, but when you can't get the book out monthly, you're of course going to have pacing problems with stories, yeah. and that that affects characters growing, that affects. Uh, characters maturing like that and 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 it's uh it's something that when they're on bigger publishers they can have this luxury which is good so what's your title my title for this issue i would call it astral pain in the butt okay uh mine's solely based off donnie being embedded in the ground so i i would have called this bury my shell near parking lot three i need to get more punny with my titles. Oh, I'm trying to come up with one. Maybe maybe Revenge of the Ninja Babes. I, I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty good I one. I could see that on a title page written like a horror yeah. uh, poster. Sounds like a movie Michelangelo would rent. Revenge. Maybe he'd even write the script. I don't know for that one. Well, he, th- that does come into play, right? Later on, the writing. So, no, it makes sense. Yeah, and, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but, like, I'm going to, you know, I'll say it right here. Most people would would say, oh, Donatello should be the writer because he found the typewriter in the attic when they were at the farm and stuff like that, and he's the nerdy one. But Michelangelo is the one who wrote that fan fiction uh, issue, so he's he does his writing too. He, he did write the original Last Ronin, so... So that's our thoughts on this issue. If you've got thoughts on this issue, get at us at on Twitter at TMNTNerds. You can email us, TMNTNerds at gmail.com. Let us know because we we love hearing what other turtle fans think of the turtle things. Uh, Spencer, tell us tell the listeners where they can find your podcast. Actually, you know what we didn't do last episode? <laughs> we should do this one. Tell them about your podcast. Yeah, so I'm, I'm on a podcast called Ninja Turtle Power Hour. That uh, I put together with some guys that originally were random people I found on the internet, but I can now call friends. Uh, it's a whole lot of fun. And we're just kind of trying to move through Turtles from the beginning to hopefully catch up one day and get to cover things as they come out. And granted, some of the reason why I'm covering those original 87 cartoon episodes is 
to try and pull those people in and then get them to hear about the comics and hopefully check them out one day. Read comics, people. They're great. Yeah. Support your local comic book shop. Yeah. Get a pull list going and pick it up. So thank everybody for listening, and we will be back next week for Volume 3, Issue 3, Untitled, which is, you know, they're all untitled. So I can I can make this a running bit here. See you then.